when you have an argument with somebody, there's something called anecdotal evidence, like raya from a story is always considered very weak proof. If you ever, you ever want to know, you know if, you, if a new item comes out, a new healing item, if you want to know its strength or weakness, if they say, Bobby W. from Virginia says this works, you know it's like very flimsy. Because if there was scientific evidence to its effectiveness, they wouldn't quote Bobby W. from Virginia. That's what we call anecdotal evidence. Somebody once said they tried it, and I'm telling you they got better. I, I hear. <laughs> like I could be, you know. There's so much you don't know about that story. So stories, in terms of evidence and proving things, stories are very weak to us. It's called anecdotal evidence. The proof from a story is very, very weak. And that's like the tzarechad of a story. I don't have it down. Maybe I'll ask Ilan like, to be magdir this. The crazy part is a lot of stories in Shas, there's something called the Maisa Rav. Famously, is the Sefer called Maisa Rav about stories from the Gra. And it's, it's a Gemara again. Oh, come from our Masechta. The Gemara says a line, Lufisha anu nizdan me nasa Maisa. We said it in the base Medrash. We didn't mean it, Lemaisa. In Shas, a story is very powerful because this is the Olam HaMaisa. It came to the Olam HaMaisa. So it's very powerful to say somebody in the base Medrash once said, I hear, that was a Svara that was said. To say a Maisa Rab, the Rabat Ketan, the Rabat Ketan, this is what he did. That's very, very powerful a story. So it's interesting, anecdotal evidence, how to read a story is complicated, what the story proves is complicated, because you have to like, understand the story. So it doesn't always give full context to the story. So in terms of proving something, it's very hard to prove something from a story. Do you know all the details? The understand? But, but it's sad, Shaney, when somebody did something, there's an aspect that's stronger than the base medrash because they carried it lemaisa. So I guess, I guess in some way, anecdotal evidence is weak because you don't know what happened. You know, they're all stories of Gedalim where, where the Rav said, no, no, not that, I want this. So you see he didn't hold its kosher. No, he just didn't like whole milk. He, he likes, he, he's on a diet. That, so anecdotal evidence is weak because you have to know how to read the story. But once you understand that or read the story, and if you can prove something from a story, there's a very big power to stories. It's interesting, Hasidic allure is full of stories, and I've come to appreciate those stories a lot. They're powerful, they contain a lot, they say a lot, and a lot because it's a story, it's, it's even visualized in the Olam HaMaisa, has a tremendous power to a story. But this is what happened, this is what occurred. We've spoken in Kelm, they said the difference between a tzaddik and a rush is the kayach of or a visual. If you actually could experience it in a story, it's mamish. The sugya came out and was lived and experienced and felt. There's a very big power to a story. 
a lot of Hasidic world, a lot of Hasidic teachings are come from stories. A very, it's interesting that Rav Aryeh Kaplan, who was a scientific person, was a scientist by trade, wrote svarim on Hasidic stories and held that they contain like profound ideas, stories which another person may just pass over. He had a tremendous strength of stories. And it's interesting, the Hasidic world, it's very important stories. And it's interesting, in the world of Musr, there are stories that are very important. I guess what I get at is you have to be very careful with a story. It could be just flimsy evidence because you don't understand it. A story studied well and experiencing something true. And I guess if you understand it, then a story could be the most powerful. Theoretically, if you could experience somebody healed by something and you know this is what happened, then a story is the most powerful because it was experienced, not just theorized about. Sakdama stories are interesting. I want to share a friend of mine today. I've been traveling today, and and I and a friend of mine amidst on the travels today. Somebody I appreciate a lot, a big a big Ben Tyre, a very very special yid, gifted me with a story today that I want to share with you. The story. And my friend, both things, the story and my friend's interpretation. This is somebody I look up to. He's tremendous. Yari Shemayim, a very precious, very serious Yid. I want to share the story with, with you and what he taught me about the story. The story goes that Rebaruch Ber's father was very, very sick. And he was tending for long periods, he was taking care of his father, and he was taking very, very, you know the story, are you? He was taking good care of the Tata, but like serious care of his father, Baruch Ber. He was by his bedside hours and working hard. And it came one night, and Baruch Ber was totally just overwhelmed, and just, it was, it was a lot. And the great, Rebaruch Ber was known for his warmth and love. He was a big hugger and kisser. Rebaruch Ber was extremely warm. He would meep in a tire. His warmth was legendary. And here to his own father, we can only imagine the warmth and the care to his tata. And it came a night, he, he needed a break. He was going, he, he, needed, he needed to breathe. And he left for the night, Rebaruch Ber, and that night his father was nifter. Rebaruch Ber sat Shiva, and after Shiva, he couldn't say Shir, he was broken. He felt like he had a responsibility in his father's death. He left for the night, and his father, when he felt a shtikol achra, he wasn't there for his tata. And he was broken and tremendous sire. Rebaruch Ber couldn't say Shir. And he mamish was so tzibrach, and he traveled to the Chavetz Chaim to speak over the Chavetz Chaim. And he went to the Chavetz Chaim to talk over his tremendous sorry. He wasn't there for his father that night. You know what the Chavetz Chaim told him? He came with tremendous sorry to the Chavetz Chaim. And the Chavetz Chaim told him something that I think already the story is a good story, just for Baruch Beres Sar. But the Chavetz Chaim told him, I feel it's like a life-changing what the Chavetz Chaim told him. The Chavetz Chaim said to him, 
that you're in tremendous sar. You did shuva. You're a new person. You've done shuva. You're in tremendous sar that you weren't there. And Rabbaruch Bear went back and said Shir. And for many years would quote the Chavetz Chaim told him, I'm a new person, you did shuva. I'd can this story. I'd can this story. And what I'm moved by about the story, what, what to me, and again, it's a story, you, you own the story as much as I own the story, it's a story. What I'm moved by is, the instinct is to argue on Rabbaruch Ber. You were doing the best you can with human. And the instinct is to, is, to, is to change the narrative. That's the instinct. I don't know if that was your instinct. If I would have frozen it there and gone around the room, I think most of us, I'm guessing, I, don't, I didn't want to put guys on the spot. I didn't want to do this to the guys. I thought about it. If I was guessing around the room, I'll be honest, I suspect certainly most of my life I would have said to the, to the person, you did everything you can. And there's something called gaslighting. It's very in when you take away a person's perspective. It's called gaslighting when you deny somebody their feeling and their perspective. And I'm the shtoimim from the Chavetz Chaim. Rebaruch Ber came and felt he did something wrong and was in tremendous sar. And the Chavetz Chaim completely validated his perspective. It's almost, the, he, was, he was 100 years ahead of his times. I suspect Ruba Dalma, of 7 billion people on earth, I suspect an overwhelming majority would have tried to explain anybody else's perspective. Baruch Ber Kulay Ava. And giving everything he can, you're a human being. We're limited human beings. But it would have denied what Rebbe Baruch Ber experienced and felt. And the Chavetz Chaim acknowledged and granted him his perspective. It said, but you did tshuva, you're in tremendous pain. So you regret it. And he said, you're a new human being. He said, you're a new person. Tshuva works. Hashem's right, Shuva. You're a new person. You regret it. You would never have done that again. And tshuva works. And the acknowledgement of Rebaruch Ber's experience is like a hundred years ahead of his time. It's a, it's a Tyrus MS acknowledging a person. It doesn't matter ahead of it, it's, it's as old as the Tyra. The willingness to give somebody a perspective. And your perspective, to you it felt, I killed my father, I'll be have a tremendous charati, you did shuvah. And the acknowledgement of Rebaruch Ber's perspective, I'm nishtoyimim from. That he's entitled to a perspective, and with his perspective, he spoke to him from his perspective. He said, you have such a charat to what you did. You did tshuva, that's Dr. That's tshuva. It was very mechazic, Rebaruch Ber, he would quote it over to others. And the allowing somebody to have their perspective, not encouraging, not changing, but the allowance of a perspective, I'm nishtoyimim from. There's something so powerful about the story. To me, there's a powerful story of allowing for somebody's perspective. And answering up, kefiwa Rebaruch Ber experienced. I'm very, very moved by that. I'm extremely moved. The allowance for somebody's perspective, the sitting in somebody's perspective, I'm nishtoyimim from. The instinct... The, the tremendous instinct of a person to cheer up and to push our perspective. 
to push our perspective, to push what we see, to see what we see, and the small world that's created when we only allow for what we see, compared to the Rav Chashmaitza, the expansive sugya of a world where people see different things. The Chavetz Chaim allowed Rav Baruch Ber to see what he saw. And when Kifi what he saw and answered him in his world, it is obvious to me that that's not how the Chavetz Chaim perceived it. I, I don't think any, I don't, again, I don't know, that's why I don't own a story. I don't think any, I hear the story, Rav Baruch Ber gave his all and made a decision to leave that night. My every part of me assumes that he's an Aynas and had no choice but to leave. That was my Mishlach, that's every part of me. But it's not how Rabarach Ber experienced. He thought he's an Aynas. He went to travel to the Chavetz Chaim. So to his experience, he left his father and has a charata that he wronged his father and wasn't there and his father, not having that support, passed on. And the Chavetz Chaim instinct to go with that mice is like so schwer. So you did shuva. Well, you're acknowledging I'm a sinner. You're coming from your perspective. I'm acknowledging your perspective. He said, Abdul Kitan Shufa, you're a new person. He, he, he went with his perspective. I'm Nishnaimah from I'm, I'm moved by that. I'm moved by that. And I wanted to share that with the Hevra. That was very enlightening to me. To hear something that every instinct is to deny that perspective. And to answer from your own perspective of, listen, you gave your all. And if somebody asks you a shayla kodma ma'isa, they're asking, what's your perspective? If he asked the Chavetz Chaim, should I leave that night, then it's in bounds to say, you gave your all, let's hear the shayla, and we could talk about it. He's not asking him, he's saying, my perspective this is what I did, I'm tremendous sir. And he answered, acknowledging his right for a perspective. A perspective that most certainly is different than I would understand it. And I suspect different, I, I can't say for sure. Maybe the Chavetz Chaim, if he asked the Shaili, he must have felt he could be there. Uh, hardly, unlikely. Unlikely, that's, that sounds like a shtickle guilt, I don't know. But the answer from his perspective, the acknowledgement of allowing somebody to have a perspective is neither. I have discussed, we've discussed in Tyra is a metzius of people having a perspective. Rabbi Yisrael is fierce about this. It says the Gemara Kedushin, a Rebbe and a Talmud, and Avu Benoya first sign him. They first hate each other when they learn. There's only Ava Lubsaif, but at first they're sign him. And Rabbi Yisrael explained that there has to be different perspectives at the table. You have to allow for another perspective. We don't hop often how, how hard that is and how it's like unlikely. We have to allow. I was there to learn with the Talmud Chacham. And people would come and ask questions. And I found myself so annoyed. He took people so seriously. Just tell the guy. He would like try to understand the guy. He was, it was teeth, teeth. He was, he was, he was masking to a perspective. He'd make the guy say, oh, so you ask him, what are you working so hard? He, he was handing people a perspective in Torah, which is the truth. Maybe the biggest thing we could give in learning to our Talmudim and our children is to hand them a right for a perspective. Often people give shiurim, and the only thing they teach the Talmudim is you have no right for a perspective. If you know about Rav Aaron David Shear, he's a kanoi about this. And he's worried, Shiyurim 
But at the point the Shear overruns and teaches the Talmud, my Rebbe said, he, and he asked, and he was bothered, a bumper kasha. <laughs> Is it a big kasha? Do you feel? Are, are you bothered? Are you upset? You're not upset? A Shear has to give, the Rebbe says a pshat, the matzav has to be that there's perspective, powerful perspective amongst the listeners, a sense. A guy asked on the shiurim, he said, when you, when you say, sometimes I find myself disagreeing with you a lot, what should I do? Throw it away. Throw away what's being said. When you study Torah, don't throw away the Dvar Hashem. When you study Torah, be upset. Now, it's a very complicated process. Because what I mean, but maybe I don't want to just end up with only my, what I knew yesterday, and then I just throw away... It's a merger of taking, but it's a kashif. What I feel and experience this Pasuk does is, what's it saying? You have to grapple with that kasha. Grapple, of course, wanting to put this in your brain, but there's a kasha. The biggest kasha is it doesn't feel right. It doesn't look right. That's the biggest kasha in the world. That's much stronger. That's the starkest kasha in the world. Ah, ah. That's the biggest kasha. When they were laying the parasha years ago in Eretz Yisrael, and I saw the word Sivlais Mitzrayim in Parashas Veira, I was cringy. What Sivlais Mitzrayim? What is that? From Mitzrayim, what Sivlais? What's a funny word? Just an awkward word. Sivlais. The cash is just, oh. My, to my closest friends, I'm going to ask, well, you see, the biggest cash is Sivlais? Just move your back. You have a backache. What? what? It's not the word I would say. In a Rashi, if there's something, you don't even have to verbalize the bit, the question that you have a gestark, a taina, a stira, if, if, is the biggest kasha. Now, you don't want, you want to become smarter, but that's how you become smarter. You, you and the piece of tyrant, and then you bring, ask, figure out, respond, and then, and then it goes in every bone in your body. But you have a perspective, and you have to have a perspective. At the point the person has no perspective, then Tyrus Emes is not acquired. It's not acquired Tyrus Emes. And the story from the Chavetz Chaim in practical life, allowing for somebody's perspective is very, very moving to me. Is deeply moving to me. And, and responding in a way that acknowledges the perspective of the questioner is moving to me. What are you tying Aryeh? Cool story, no? Is it was that the story you're referring to? Could I ask now that Maisa? Then I'll pay more. Do we have a guitar for Yehuda? Maybe we don't have a guitar for him. He got off the hook. Shlaima, we don't have a guitar here? Yes. <laughs> have none in the base Medrash? That was this person's perspective on it, uh, the one that told me the story. Yeah. Story about perspective from it. What do you say to that, yes? 
think so. I feel like though it was still, even if a person gave it his all, the night that he wasn't there, still, there's still like some sort of guilty feelings that you could see. But I don't know. Yeah. I think there's a truth to that, yes. If, if somebody's perspective, people's perspective aren't silly. So I think that you're saying there's a truth to such a perspective. Could you ever say a guy did? You know, people say, I tried my best. I tried my best as one of the silliest. There's no such thing. You couldn't try. I tried. I tried. I, tr- I try in my life. I don't want to say I tried my best, but I try not to say I tried my best. I try my best inside as I'm saying it. A bucker asked something. I'm trying. I'm trying my best. My best. Maybe not. I'm trying for sure. So you're right. There's a truth to the perspective. You could still share the other perspectives to say that even if we try, Mam Mishar. I want to welcome, I want to very much welcome Yehuda back. It's good to have you home. I want to welcome Yossi back. Really good to have you back. Tremendous chizuk. When the B'nai Torah, when guys come back, when they come back, there's a tremendous, tremendous chizuk. There's a place of the things we're accomplishing, learning Torah together, davening together, growing is eternal. People come back, there's like an acknowledgement to that which stays, that which lasts. It means a lot to have Yehuda sitting and learning to throw and reconnecting, replugging in, to have Yassi come back. Tremendously appreciated, Yassi. So we're gonna get our needle a day to no really? You're missing a guitar. Where's, should we call Bensi? You wanna call Bensi? Maybe he'll come with <laughs> I wanna, I wanna say on that question, on this perspective, one of the most, if, if, if anybody studies Torah with an open mind and would just, would, would, would be like more free flowing about it and ask, study it like without agendas. One of the most surprising things in the Torah is the way people talk back to Hashem. It's like, yeah, arguing with Hashem. It's like bizarre. Shem says, Maisha, I have a mission for you. I don't think it's right. I don't think you should do that to Aaron. Are you, are you being serious? <laughs> Shem created Aaron, created Maisha. Any shot in the world you say, any. Maisha Rabbeinu saying back to Hashem, The one you normally send, continue. I don't think it's right that you should replace Aaron with me. I'm his younger brother. That's what you say to the creator of all, who knows all, and you say, I don't think it's right. <laughs> it 
Tishlach. Send the one who's saying Rashi. Send the one who you normally send. You've been sending our until now, Hashem. I don't feel this right. It doesn't feel right to me. Yisrael, that's veiled. He's talking to God. That's a lesson how me and you should learn Torah, Yisrael. We're reading Torah, and the Torah says how to respond to the Dvar Hashem, that it doesn't feel right. The human being says to Hashem, it doesn't feel right to me. And that's in bounds to figure out the Dvar Hashem. That's how you grapple with the Dvar Hashem. He, the same Hashem who created that created me and created my feelings towards it and wants me to work on that. So it's in bounds to say this doesn't feel right. That's, the, that's discussions that are had in the Torah. It's wild. Shalach nabi atishlach. Shem, this doesn't feel right. <laughs> feel right? The creator of all said, Maisha, you're going to do it now. doesn't feel right. He grapples, Hashem, why do you make it worse for Klai after you sent me? And that's Hashem wants the human being to grapple based, and that's how we get to the Aymek. Atatira, oh, okay. I was waiting for you to process this. I wanted to hear your, your cash, and, your, and now you'll see, you come to conclusions from the person grappling with it. From the person grappling, figuring out, from their own, from that question, from that, ah, this doesn't feel right. That's the Torah's fault, doesn't feel, and then there's a response, and then there's a Torah's emes. That's the way Torah is studied and learned and figured out. Each person has a perspective, and in the end there's a Torah's emes, ava b'saif. Is the end when that's allowed and that's encouraged and that's fostered, there's a tremendous MS that comes out, that emerges from Shammai, from Hillel, from Abaya, from Rabba, from Rabbi Yosef, from all the Tanoim and Amiraim and all the learners of Torah. Learning Torah and studying Torah and asking and wondering, a tremendous MS comes out, the MS that we have of Torah, the Ava Besaif that comes out from people that are Sainim that have varying perspectives and different way of seeing things, and the MS, the absolute MS that comes out from the absolute truth of the Dvar Hashem as the person is processing and asking and experiencing and figuring out the Dvar Hashem. It has to be. I can't, if, maybe I shouldn't make numbers like this, top five. If anybody would study Torah, it has to come out to any thinker as remarkable. The questions on Hashem, Shalach Nabi Are you allowed to say that? He is potent. And the answer, what we study, that is Torah. It's in the Torah, it is Torah, the human being saying to Hashem, Shalach Nabi this doesn't feel right. My older brother is the one who goes. You can't be saying the younger brother is going to go, can you? That's what Maishu Rabbeinu says. And there's a discussion. And there's a processing of the emes, of the Dvar Hashem. And the Dvar Hashem is incorporated by the questions and the responses and the figuring out of the great saying, Shalach Nabiyat Tishlach, that doesn't feel right. My older brother was always, and that becomes part of Torah. It's recorded in the Torah. Moshe says to Hashem, Shalach Tishlach. You should send the one who knew that. That's what, and the human being processing the Dvar Hashem that comes to an emes of the Dvar Hashem, that comes to the emes of what Hashem is saying and bringing out to the world. Yeah, this is all incorporated. Loi Bashamayim He. 
amazing part of Limit Atayra, amazing aspect, but how careful we have to be to allow people to have perspectives. It's very easy to run over. I always think two, two chavrusas have a machlaikis, very kedai to practice each say the other one said. Say yisad yishmak, but not half-baked, do a good job. Say Say what he's bringing to the world. He's saying something. You agree, you don't agree, say what he's bringing. Then he should say your tzad. He had to slug it out. I remember screaming and yelling at my chavrus. We didn't do this. We were youngsters. We were kids. Just fighting and fighting. Ultimately, we incorporated each other's studden because we did like each other. If we would have been more mature, we would have said each other's studden at the time. We said, let's pause. Let me say you when you say me. Let's go, let's just try. Let me, let me see if I have what you're saying. Well, I have to present your side clear. If I could say it clear, then I could say what I'm saying. And if you could say my side clear, then you could say what you're saying. Let's say each other's side. Let's bring out what perspective you're having. You're entitled for a perspective, aren't you? I'm entitled for a second, aren't I? So let's, let's grant each other a perspective and see how we're, then we can get to a, I think that would be an incredible thing. That'd be a Rav Chashmaitz, a very expansive sugya of two people's perspective. You'd have a shleimus to the sugya. It's rather fascinating in all of Shas that both opinions are always brought. Both opinions are brought. One would think that what's it taking so much space? The Torah with brevity is so important. The derech Hashem, the derech of a Rebbe, Rashi says, is a person should teach the derech Kitsara. If you could say less words, don't say more words. And it's a fascinating part of Shas that bolt stadim abruah. And of course, from bolt stadim, it brings out the emes. The truth is acquired from bolt stadim. Maybe there was a certain Rebbe I was there to learn by for a while. And the way he analyzed Havaminas was a very big life changer. He would deduce big things lamaskana from Havaminas. I was unused to that. So Havamin, he would mamish hang on the Havamin and bring out bold stadim. This, this is stadim in the base Madrash. The Havamin, it is tremendous. He would bring out, he would buy big, big binyanim on Havaminas. On the Havaminas, the initial thought of the Gemara, which the Gemara rejected as wrong and out of hand, and he would build big binyanim from Havaminas. And he would show that, okay, so something's changed. Maskana, everything was thrown away. There was something learned from the Havamin. The very recording of the Gemara is the conversations, both that which was rejected and that which was kept. It's interesting, the riff, we see the Allah Svarim, so it just drops. The Mandam we don't paskin like, it drops the Havaminas. So why didn't Gemara do that? And yet Gemara, which we're always instructed to go back and learn the Gemara, is to go back to the Svaras, back to the discussion, back to both Stadim, not just the Maskana, to get the whole, the Shleimus Hadavar, the whole thing, the discussion is when you really understand it. It's interesting. There's a modern day type Pesach of a guy who like knows he reads Svarim that bring the Piske Halacha. I never trust such a Pesach. It's a good person. He memorized a series of laws. But I feel if you don't know the Gemara's Havamina, you can't be a Pesach. You don't have the Oymek the of the Svarah of the Halach, and you don't have the counter. You don't have the two Tzadim and the debate and the Rayas. Then even, I, I heard this Rebbe build tremendous things from Havaminas. 
So I can't call you a Paisik to deduce the Aymik of the Allah, how to apply it to different cases if you don't understand the Mandama who argued. And I've seen Paiskim like this, they're beautiful people, but in terms of following Lahalach, I want somebody who knows the Gemara on it, who knows the Shakal Vitaria that I can trust that a slight nuance in the case may change the whole Allah. If you don't understand the whole back and forth of the Gemara, you memorize the Allah Sefer, but you, it's shocking sometimes, the slightest detail different when you understand the Aymek of the Halacha. A slight detail difference will change the law. You want somebody who gets bold studim and gets the Havamin and gets the maskan, and now we can come to it. We can come to a psak. The more somebody is maskim to different studim, says La Lacha, we paskin like Hillel because he heard the tzad of Shammai better. That sounds like a midas award, not a psak. No, it's Lacha and psak. It's Lacha and psak. We paskin like Hillel because he heard Shammai better. La Lacha, we paskin like a Basra, like a later Amaira than an earlier Amaira Yisrael. That's so odd. The earlier one's bigger. We paskin like the smaller one. Hilchasake Basra. The Pshad is because he had the luxury of hearing the other Tzad. The one who didn't hear the other Tzad, we can't paskin like you didn't hear the later Tzad. Hilchasake Basra. The Basra is smaller, but he had the luxury of hearing the earlier Amaira. Within the, within the same time period of Amairaim, within the same time period of Tanaim, we paskin like the Basra, because he heard the first one and he argued. So Hilchasake Basra. So we paskin like the second one. Yeah, that's a, it's amazing that we paskin. This is there's a deep aimik. It's not just like a, that we paskin like the the, the basra is a tremendous aimik in in life. There's a lesson in life of perspectives. The one who taka was kailit, who absorbed the other perspective, we paskin like his perspective because his psak is coming from hearing to stadim, from hearing to stadim. I once heard from from Amansi Rosh Hashiva, from Rudinsky Shlita. I once heard from him that the Machloikas by the Tanner, and Beliezer was arguing on the Rabbim, and didn't he know Yachid v'Rabbim Alacha k'Rabbim? And he said that they didn't give enough appreciation to the Yachid. And they didn't hear out the Yachid, and he held they didn't have a din of a Rabbim, that you didn't listen to the Yachid, only... I, I felt during COVID there was a lot of machloiksim, and there definitely was a rabbin, but only as the Allah of the rabbin, we have to learn to allow for a yachid. The point we run over and truck the yachid and make the yachid like he's some sort of chaya. I'm not sure there's a din rabbin, rabbin the yachid, rabbin. At the point the rabbin gives cover to the yachid and enters in a vikuach with the yachid, there's a sugya rabbin the yachid, Allah rabbin. At the point the yachid is trucked and ridiculed and mocked and not treated with covet. I'm not sure it's a din yachid. That's where Rabbi said it's a Yerushalmi. I haven't seen it inside. I've looked. I'm sure it's there. He said, Rabbim the yachid, Allah kirabim, is only when they, when they, when machshiv the yachid, if they truck the yachid, then Allah kirabim, I don't know, they call the rabbim, they're not listening to the yachid. So I don't know if they have a din rabbi. He said that's what Beliezer held and not listening to him seriously enough. That's what he held. They weren't taking his opinion. At the point you hear what I'm saying, you're incorporating what I'm saying, what I'm saying matters to you. So beside then you're the rabbi and the yachid. We pass like the majority. That's the halacha. 
at the point you run over the Yachid and you don't give him his entitlement to, to a perspective, and you're not Gairus' perspective, do you even have a Din Rabbim? Did you hear what the Yachid said? Are you, are, you, are you impacted by the Yachid said? Did it make a difference to you what the Yachid said? My son, my son once taught me, taught me many Dvarim Niflam, he once taught me something amazing, guys. That's word Yehuda traveled long distances. My, we told you a Maisenayra. My son once taught me there's a guy in the base Medrash who was a tiger. He'd scream at other people's opinions. And people held on the guy like he's not Gairus anybody else. That was like the knocking. And my son taught me that it's Pumfaker, these two Gairus people. The Pshat is to most of us, our opinions could remain untouchable. I'm not impacted by you, so I don't get so mad at what you say. So somebody would say something, your opinion is safely tucked away. This guy's, you're so sweet, thank you, Benson. This guy's style was his opinion was very open to be impacted. So when you argued on him, his opinion was very open. He beat you up. He was protecting his opinion that was very vulnerable. I have seen people, it's interesting, this person I was able to learn with, who would treat everybody with respect, was always getting mad at the people he respected. And I wasn't going to and wasn't mad. He would like, what are you saying? And then he starts screaming and yelling. What is he saying? He just doesn't know anything. And then he'd, I wouldn't scream. I w- he screamed because his opinion was, was, was available to be argued on. It was very machshev, the next person. As such, if I have a million dollars on the table, billions of dollars, I'm going to fight like a beast. I have billions of dollars right here. See, he would beat people up because he was very machshev people. And his opinion was very available to be swayed. I've seen this. So he looks like a guy who's, you fight everybody, you're not machshev. No, he's much more machshev. If you understand what's happening, he's fighting like a vilda mensch because he's machshev people. His opinion is very available to be swayed. A ram v'yachid means the yachid is entitled to say something. Very scary like that. Scary to have a rogue yachid. <laughs> we want like no possibility of yachid. I saw this by COVID. So you hit them in certain things. You hit them. We like bug out by you It's so annoying when somebody's different. We just want to strangle the yachid. Then I don't know if you're a rabbin. If he's not entitled to say what he's saying and you can't hear him and process him and give him a right to say what he's saying and then paskin like the rabbin, I'm not sure you have a rabbin be yachid. It's not so passionate. You're just not gairus. You, you crush another opinion. You're not a rabbin. You don't have a lach of rabbin. Very shaykh, no rabbin. The allowance for a perspective. The allowance for a perspective. Very big deal in Torah. In the Bikosha Emes, in the pursuit of Emes, the allowance for a perspective is, is very, very special in Bikosha Emes. I'll tell you a my scenario. I, I'll tell you the, the story behind the story I'm sharing you. I wasn't going to say it. I'm going to say it now. Then Yehuda will do a song. I'm coming. I was this morning to sit with a group of, a group of chesedish therapists. Holy Yidden. Very, very holy Yidden. It was a very special, really, really inspiring situation that people who are very worked on. 
who've worked their own journey and are allowing people, was sent by the Rebbe, to, to teach and to allow people to, to feel and to heal and to work through. I was very moved. I saw an army of Yidden allowing people a perspective. That's how I see the world of therapy. When I was a youngster, people used to scream at therapists, they're teaching them to be mad at their parents. They're teaching kids, because a kid says, I'm angry at his parents, shame him with kabbalah sabich of esimecha, and I, I'm not allowed to feel anything. I'm not allowed to feel, I'm not allowed to feel. And beside, along the way, the feeling will disappear. I hear, I hear, I hear. Along the way, his difficult feelings, kabbalah feelings, you know, Be'ez Hashem will disappear. Came people who want, I'm not saying every therapist, but there's such a metzius that a person really should like his parents and should respect and appreciate. And came somebody who validates you're feeling something, let's process the feel. Let's bring your entirety to be, in, to be close to dad and close to mom and to allow people to process. And this kickback, like any good thing people do, could get kickback. You teach people, you produce people who are upset at parents. I hear, I hear, I, I hear, I hear. If you don't stay around for five minutes, that five minutes later, the goal is that he loves his tat and loves his mama. When my, I spoke to them on my own distrust of therapists and my own learning about validating and allowing for feelings. And this is exactly what I spoke to the 25, these beautiful yidden. We spoke about it and we were mechazic, allowing people to have journeys and encouraging people. And this is exactly what we spoke about. You can't make this up. If somebody's not a maimin bashem, just, I'm just telling you a story that just happened to me this morning. I'm driving back, Shalom is in the car. This is what I just spoke to 25 therapists about. I'm called by a friend who doesn't know I spoke to the therapist, and I didn't tell him, because I, I didn't say the story to anybody until I'm telling it to you now. I'm driving back on the way back, and my friend was calling me a lot that he has to speak about an emergency. He says, I feel guilty that I strong-armed you. That was a quote of his word that he used. So I want to pay back with a good Misa. Not knowing where I'm coming from, what I just spoke of, and I spoke about this, allowing for a person to have a perspective. And that's what I just met with 25 Yidden, who are, that's what they're doing. And I spoke, and we spoke in detail about it. And he tells me, I have a mice from a Baruch Baron the Chavetz Chaim, I want to pay you back, because I did strong arm you into speaking. So here, I'm going to pay back with a mice. And the Sadik tells me this mice with the word of the Chavetz Chaim, allowing somebody to have a perspective. I'm friends with this Yid for years. He never told me this mice. On the way back from talking about this Indian, he said, I have, I have a mice I want to tell you. And that's what he shared me on the way here. So I felt I saw Yehuda. Ask Shloim, I said, I'm not sharing this. I saw Yehuda, I changed my mind. I owe too much. Yehuda's here and I'm going to ask him to do so I have to, if, if I'm asking him to say, I wanted to share the Doidi Lee, let's sing the whole thing. We just cannot sing it, so let's sing it once we're singing it. Amazing story. It just happened this morning. On the way back, this never told me a mice, never told me a story.
You ever paid for a mitzvah and got much more and you felt you ripped the guy off? <laughs> thank you, thank you. Years ago, years ago, Rev Ezi was there when this happened. We went together to hear a shear from Yidden Lakewood. And a very intelligent, a ganz fine intelligent person who shares beautiful things on the Torah, his own perspectives on the Torah, wonderful perspectives. And I remember he asked like a fun kasha. He asked that what was the makev dam? Says, Rachazak Levilti Acholas Hadam, strengthen yourself not to eat them. And he asked that the Torah says, Machloikis Tanayim, strengthen yourself not to eat them. Doesn't sound like such a hard thing not to eat blood. It says in the Torah, strengthen yourself. And one Tana says that the Umisav Adam was the Kaik of Egypt. The big drink in Mitzrayim, they had machines, they had dam machines. People loved dam, it was like the end drink. Them. And that was like the drink of choice. See, he was Nishtaim. That's a Tana who holds that way. That Dam was the drink of choice. See, he was Nishtaim. That the Makav Dam, all the Meimei Mitzrayim turned to Dam. He was like Nishtaim. That that's what's the Makav. If all the waters turned to Kaik, it would be a party. Geshmak. Caffeine free if you like. Some with caffeine, but Geshmak. See, that's, that's what he asked us. He was Mechadesh Geshmak. He said they like Dam. Dam is 90% water. He said the water in Dam turned to Dam also. So it was like, a, it was rocks. It wasn't the liquid he wanted to tie out. So the guys fought with him. That's not called Dam. It didn't turn to Dam. The, da, the Dam of Dam. Dam is water and Dam. So it was a whole Geshmak of fight back forth. I don't know the answer. But I... Without his whole Torah, without the Torah, it fascinates me that the first Makev Dam, the Mitzrayim were hit. First of all, they were hit in the Nile, which right in their pride was, was what was damaged. In the place of their pride was damaged. The Nile represented the strength of Mitzrayim. And the Makev occurred through that which was the Dam, was the drink of choice in Egypt. It's what Mistamid has a tremendous sense of drinking dam. I picture a people who would drink dam. It's, I, I picture a similar guy who has like a black coffee. It's a man's man. 
And Mitzrayim, the maka was, you drink them and the whole, Avad, that's a maka, the whole thing turns to them. Just because you drink them doesn't mean you want to shower in them. And Avad, there's a maka and all the fish died and it rotted and it was disgusting. The maka, it affected the whole Nile. But it is fast and haloi dover that Hashem hit them in the thing that was their, was their chiyus, Hashem hit them. That the dam itself, which was their chiyus, the chiyus of Mitzrayim, and the Nile, which is their chiyus, and the first knock of Mitzrayim is the very thing that was their pride and their power, the Nile. And the drink that was their drink of choice was the maka itself. I'm not asking what was the maka. That's not a kasha. Everything died in the Nile. If all the water turns to coke, all the fish die, and everything smells by yivash. If it wasn't, nothing was edible. If you like dam, but you don't like dead fish in your dam, that nobody likes. And everything rotted and had a bad odor. But Aloidover, that the attack to Mitzrayim is very on the things of their power. Hashem doesn't punish, He doesn't patch people to, to get back at people. Hashem's a teacher. The very things that are their strength, the very, the very things that are their strength crumble. When you trust things that shouldn't be trusted, you're left with, when, dam, when your drink of choice is dam, when everything is denial, when, you're, when you live a certain way, there's a teva ha'olam, Hashem put, that when you put your trust in things that are by their nature, by their nature limited and weak, then when they fall, so will you. And that's, that's the attack on Mitzrayim. The very attack on Mitzrayim is a society that comes apart at its hinges because it's allowed to, the natural process of trusting things, of, of the natural process of trusting things. That's what happens when you're Eilav Arechev, Eilav Asusim. Susim die, Susim die. And when you trust things, we say in the Halalukas, we describe in the, in the Halalukas, we describe al Bendivim. The most caring and giving people, don't, that's not where you put your trust. Teit Seirucha, that thing is Aymet to go, Yashulad Masay, Vayamu Avdu Ashtanaisav, its plans are left. People, what they trust and as they trust, are left to fend. That thing is all they have. It's rather fascinating and rather instructive that the very dam that somehow was the drink of choice in Mitzrayim becomes the makeb Mitzrayim. That's how, that's how the world runs. The very things people trust in when they're, when they're not to be trusted in. When it's not what has the answers, so, so it plays out. They trust in dam, they drink dam, the Nile's what they trust, and the very makeb comes from dam through the Nile. I think there's something... Very, very instructive in that. There's more to learn on Parashas Ve'era. Okay. We'll yet have ch- time, Be'ez Hashem, to learn Parashas Ve'era. There'll be a minion for Mincha next door and second Satan Ashikon. So, I'm going to